Well, welcome friends to From Busy to Rich, a podcast designed to inspire advisors to increase profitability. And today we're gonna focus a lot on quality of life for those who you serve. I'm Andy Traub, and today we're joined by Wes Young, Justin Lakin, good to see you, Justin, and a special guest that is not only a successful business owner and entrepreneur, but has also traveled a fascinating road to find himself where he is today. Uh, and that is Tim Kennedy. Uh, his hard work and passion have resulted in a pretty extraordinary life. Uh, Special Forces Green Beret, awarded multiple medals, uh, title contender for the USC, ranked top five in the world, television host, perhaps the most impressive. I'm just kidding. Uh, but that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Including his own show, Hard to Kill on the Discovery Channel. Uh, those are all career highlights, but I'm pretty sure that his most meaningful accomplishments are husband, father, patriot. Uh, and so with that, I do want to throw it to Wes, who is on site with Tim. This is not camera tricks. They're together. Tim, punch Wes real quick. Put him in a headlock and knock him out real quick so we know it's real. Tim, okay. Tim um, I'll submit that he he would win in that. Um, <laughs> so uh, I got skills. They're just not necessarily all those. But not those skills. <laughs> Great to have you, Tim uh, and Wes. Uh, what's the plan for today, my friend? Yeah, no, well, Tim, as usual, thanks for being on the show. Man. Absolutely. Uh, it was exciting when we started talking about it. And, uh, you know, the, the one of the things that I thought would be great to talk about, because one of the things that I look at as I observe, you know, you know your life and, and you and I do business together, as well as uh, you've got a great book. And, and if you don't have uh, Scars and Stripes, you guys need to go pick it up. And uh, it's it's fascinating. But one of the things that we talk about a lot, because this is a podcast, a success podcast for advisors that want to help people increase their profitability and quality of life and really move to an elite level, is we talk about this idea called normalize the new. And, and, it's, and the premise is this, just for those listening to remind you guys, all of us have a normal. We have a current way we go about making progress in life. And all of us can have a new, which is a transformed way of going about doing the same stuff we do normally. And the big idea is that... We, we to to basically recognize our future possibilities. The best way is not to abandon the normal necessarily, and it's also not to reject new, but rather to keep a healthy tension between those two. And one of the things I, I love Tim about you and about your story over and over again, this continued reinvention of yourself to an another elite level in different areas of life by by really embracing failure as a pathway to success, knowing that. That sometimes it's a failure because it just didn't work. The idea didn't work. Sometimes it is just because you didn't have enough reps with it and you had to master it and get better and be willing to go through that struggle. So I love that. And, and I thought it would be cool today to start off with you giving everybody a little like look at what things look like today, kind of where you're spending your time, what you're excited about. And then also back and like to rewind the clock a little bit and, and talk about what, how, how iterations and kind of the funny stories and things that work to, to, to kind of embrace failure on your pathway to success. Yeah, I mean, the, there's a lot of failure in there, um, and there's a lot of transitional moments where, you know, I'm going from one completely uh, as a modality, a hundred percent of my effort has been focused on this thing. Um, for example, when I want to be a world champion, um, you know, got to fight for the world t title two times, and so was on my run for a third fight to fight for the middleweight world title, and um, you know didn't happen. I lost in a really, really terrible way against UL Romero, which effectively ended my run for the title. Um, and this creates for a lot of people, the end of their life. Um, you know, professional athletes 
the the number in which they see bankruptcy at the end of their career is really really depressing um we had taken a very different approach where we had looked to whenever the end of that career was going to be uh, almost with anticipation because it would open up bandwidth for me to um, leverage, you know, time, skills, resources, uh, and also discipline uh, and this kind of hard work, blue collar approach to business um, as a leader and take that momentum and bring it to this next thing. So as that, as a professional athlete, as that chapter of my life is closing, you know, it accelerates me into hosting television and then from television, accelerating me into starting my own businesses and using each of the prior to launch me into the next thing. Um, so of course I wanted to be a world champion, you know, of course I wanted to have the title and then people look and be like, that is the best fighter on the planet. I wanted that so desperately. Um, when that didn't happen, I wasn't good enough. The timing wasn't right. You know, like I did peak through whatever the, whatever the reasons were, um, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm done making money at 38. Is, is that my plan? Yeah. You know, or, uh, or is this an opportunity for me to take a platform that, that, that God has given me, um, and use that to accelerate me into this next thing. And then using this even bigger, broader platform to accelerate me in this next thing. And that's how I treated it. Um, you know, muscles, failures, and pain are just this in this priceless commodity where, you know, muscle, the way that it gets stronger, the way that you get faster, the way that you get mental resilience is to struggle and to fail. Yeah. Like no, growth does not happen without it. Um, you know, the muscle recognizes that it can't do this thing that you're asking of it. So it sends extra white blood cells and it gives it tons more amino acids and that muscle grows back stronger. So it can then do the thing that you asked it of it. That is, I think we, as a human condition in the, in optimizing who we are as a person, we have to see that struggle to see that growth. And you just see that time and time again in my life. You know, in your book, one of the, one of the key takeaways in one of the areas was that an ounce of prevention prevents a pound of cure. Yeah. And, and I know from, in fact, this may be a good time to, to, uh, Justin, for you to comment, cause you and Justin, actually, this is not the first time for you guys to meet. No, it isn't. And, uh, so, so maybe give a little background on that. And then I'd like to talk about this because Justin, this is one thing that you bring up a lot in the day to day on the financial planning side, uh, with development advisors. But let's just speak to that a little bit and maybe give these guys a background of, of you two. Well, I love that man. So one of my favorite humans on the planet. And uh, we met in college, uh, not to date ourselves, but a really, really long time ago. And um, where I was training at the pit at slow kickboxing was directly across the street from a place that he was working at. And he would hook me up with uh, some extra food. stuff. was a struggling, poor, um, aspiring athlete that was going to college. And, um, you know, he, he, was in a position of grace of, of giving me a couple extra grams of protein post-workout. <laughs> um, that was long before 9-11. Um, it was actually during a t- time period when this uh, serial killer in San Luis Obispo named Rex Krebs was going around. Um, that's when he and I met. Then 9-11 happened, and that propelled us and compelled us to go into special operations. Um, Justin and I, unbeknownst to each other, both enlisted into the U.S. Army Special Forces, and it's a really, really arduous, it, it is an uncomfortable path to go from a kid off the street to a green beret. Um, and it's intentionally that way, as it should be. I, I still am on the fence whether this program was ever a good thing, but um, it effectively would take a collegiate athlete um, 
And if you met a certain number of requirements, you could go and you were promised a selection date. If you passed, you know, airborne school, infantry school, basic training, um, these two other traders called SOC P, um, and not SOC P, uh, what was the name of that 18 X ray a trader? So, the, the what? Yeah, it was SOC, so special operations preparation course. Oh. And if you pass those things, then you could go to selection. And Justin and I, um, a, a few months apart, went through those same courses, and then both of us ended up at Seven Special Forces together, um, where we were orbiting each other between deployments, South America and Afghanistan, and Iraq, um, and then ultimately us, you know, becoming best friends, business partners, brother-in-laws. Um, you just did it all, dude. You, just, you went all in on yeah, that. He came up, my brother, in every measurable way. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we get close and awkward. What is, yeah. what is he doing? It's, we we, we just say the same thing all the yeah. time. It's amazing. He's our, yeah. he's our mom. Yeah. We, so, close and awkward is what I like to say. So. Yeah. Justin, um, fill in a few uh, pieces of that. What are, what are, the, what are the memorable um, sort of inflection points? Uh, I mean, do you remember Tim walking in? I mean, did you work at Subway? What was the, you know, what was the, what was the protein? No, it was a little place called Cabo San Luis. Like we had like kind of the Baja style tacos was the big thing. What you did with that wow. wordplay. Yeah. yeah. That's so, way better than Subway. Um, yeah, it, it was way better than Subway. But yeah, and when I met Tim, like he was a quote unquote professional fighter already at that point. But like his professional fighting days, like would also revolve a lot around like bare knuckle fighting. I was going to say, yeah, in the basement yeah. of bars is what yeah. was like. Like, no, no joke. I need some money. So I'll go do this bare knuckle fight. <laughs> like, that's, that's, uh, he, he clawed his way up through, through some, some back, some back streets to, to get to where he is today. And it's just, he, he breezed through a lot there. But, um, that process, if you look over 20 years, was like, there was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears across the gambit from, from personal life to professional life that, that he just, I've been very fortunate to see, and, and it's been so great for me on this end of, and awkward at the same time. Like, I still remember the first time somebody came up and asked him for a signature for his autograph out in public. And I was like, why do you want his autograph? Yeah. Like, I forgot, like, people follow you now. <laughs> but but for me, like, he's the same guy that I've just known forever. Yeah. Always down to earth or whatever. It's been great to see him. Like, it's so, not, it's not to my face every time I see him. Just, just <laughs> keep in muscle memory. I pull the shirt down. Just yeah. just, so, uh, but, Tim, has Justin become a better wingman at this point? Because he's like, why do you want this guy's autograph? Is, uh, t- tell me why Justin's a good wingman. Man, wingman's not the right word. I mean, there, were, there were periods of time when we were in special forces. You know, we're at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, living in Fayetteville, North Carolina, also known as Fayetteville. It is one of the most... Um, non-conducive environments for a professional athlete to try and exist. And, um, Why? You know, uh, military bases and the cities that immediately are adjacent to military bases are not known for their complexity. Um, they're not known for like their world-class access to, um, performance or recovery centers. Yeah. They're known for strip clubs. They're known for car dealerships. They're known for storage facilities and, um, yeah. the norm, they're known for violence. Um, and, uh, Fort Bragg is the home of special operations 
and the 82nd Airborne, so two very large combat units. Yeah. And with that comes all of the terrible baggage for people that try to capitalize off of soldiers. Yeah. Uh, so it's just not if, – if you live in Columbus, Georgia, outside adjacent to Fort Benning, if you live in Colleen, Texas – yeah, right around up, the corner. Did you get up there? We went to went to high school there. Junior high there. How, how lovely is Cal- it, 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 Wonderful place. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is horrific. Yeah. So well, I think this is, would, like my strength and conditioning coach, we would go into a col- a gold gym. Justin would spend hours and hours a day researching like how to how to peak optimize. Um, you know, leading up in the periodization of a fight camp. So I would go. I would go to Iraq, I would come back, and I would have six weeks until a fight. And Justin and I would spend trying to get me physically ready while I was trying to do all my technical training at, you know, um, a jiu-jitsu gym and a side kickboxing gym. And I'm like trying to fly in partners. I'm randomly grabbing just young, strong people so I can beat the crap out of them. And um, you know, so it was it was just a ton of obstacles to overcome as a professional athlete. And Justin was so paramount in that of trying to, you know, get out of the box and think about ways for us in this very isolated, not conducive environment to create yeah. a, a peak athlete. Yeah, I'm getting more of an Obi-Wan Kenobi kind of vibe from you now, Justin. Sort of like you create the next generation of Jedi. And so, we, you know, we, there's we were definitely doing things that I don't think were that are mainstream now that weren't at the time. Yeah, we we're so far ahead of everybody else physically. Mm-hmm. And you know, that was a hundred percent you. The whole theme of you, you consistently challenged normal. What what was the status quo? What was the ordinary path with this thing that's you're testing things on the fringes, you're challenging this with new ideas that sometimes might not work, but certainly you didn't want to be the average path. You want to be the elite path. Yep. Yeah. The um and there was a ton of judgment that came with that. You know, people would look at you know, we, we would get up sometimes that if I, if we had to be at work at eight o'clock, we'd get permission from our bosses, the military bosses to let us do phys, uh, PT, um, not with our unit. So we could do our own PT and we would go to a gym at five 30 in the morning. We'd work out from, you know, five 30 to seven, and then would grab food as we drove on base after, you know, doing a, a sink shower to then go to the unit to, to be, to train all day long whether it's on the range or we're doing, um, you know, mount training or we're doing CQB, whatever, whatever the military modality was for the day. And then we'd go back and I would train again that evening. Um, my technical stuff, my wrestling, my jujitsu, my, you know, my grappling, my kickboxing. So then, um, I could try to go home and get some recovery so that we could wake up again. There was a lot of condemnation and from the outside looking at, you know, like, Oh, are you guys special? Oh, Oh, you're, you're, you guys are so smart. You can do your own thing. Mm-hmm. So what, it wasn't that we were just challenging the norm. We were having to fight against um, these perceptions about how we were spending our time, what yeah. we were doing. Um, you know, like, hey, we're going to go to Hooters. Uh, wait, what's the one where the girls dress? That's Hooters. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, you know, the teams would go out to Hooters for lunch. And one, I'm not going to be eating chicken, you know, fried chicken wings or like, you know, French fries and, and beer. Um, and two, that, that could be a, a, a second or third workout for that day. And so we, we had to, yeah. it was hard. It was really, really hard to balance this. And there, there's still judgment, you know, guys come back today. Oh yeah. I remember Tim, like he was too good for us. That was, the, that's not the truth. You know, like I, 
I was working. You know, that that is um, Seth Godin, who's a great writer, great communicator. One of the things he brings up a lot is this this mentality that can either be good or bad. And it's and it's people like us do things like this. People like us, he goes, it's really good if you're around other really fascinating, interesting people that are moving in the same direction you are that want to break into the new levels. Cause because they're doing things here and everybody kind of gets together and says, you know, people like us do things like this. So all those things that you don't do that get in the way of your next level of success, it has the ability when you have the right people around you to just that's not as important and the noise doesn't matter as much. The opposite's true too. And when it's when you guys are such a minority at that time and they're all going, guys. People like us don't do things like what you guys are doing. Yeah. This is what we do. And, yeah. and I think that says a lot because the average path is always going to have those voices. Yep. They say, no, 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 you don't need to do all that special. Come, we're all doing this. Yeah. We, you're, you're balancing on BOSU ball while you're doing you know, strict presses. No, no, no. On Mondays, we do chest and tries. On Tuesdays, we do you know, um, leg presses and hamstrings. On Wednesday, like that was the normal. And then yeah. Wednesdays, you're going to do cardio. Thursdays, we're going to do a team ruck. And Justin's sitting there as he walks in, you know, I'm exaggerating, but like he puts, pushes up his spectacles, fixes his bow tie, and he pulls out this gigantic notebook of two pages of research therapy for us to move into our workout for the day. Um, I'm barely exaggerating. Like that was the level that he put into it. And as, as you have experienced, he puts into everything. So that was, and this is early MMA when, when, um, like we're saying, I was going to bare knuckle fights. Um, you know, I'd be in San Luis Obispo, California. I drive seven hours to to Tijuana. Would do a border crossing, and I would fight in a bar in Tijuana for a thousand dollars cash, so I could go up and pay for my school books in San Luis Obispo. And um, you know, then I would get this next bill, which would be for me to pay for all the units of courses that semester. I did not have that money, and I was definitely not going to take. You know, like my wife and I both went through both our undergrads and graduate school without ever taking a, any money from anybody to do anything. And my solution for that at the time was like, oh, I can go down to the Pechanga Indian Reservation in Temecula, California and do a bare knuckle fight. Oh, you'll let me fight three times that night at $500 a piece. Cool. I'll make $1,500 tax-free. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, oh, you're I, on a reservation. I, you're on a reservation. So that's why it's tax-free. It yeah. wasn't, a, wasn't a tax it, issue. You're on an internet. He's probably, probably had a good financial planner who told you now. Yeah, super great one. Fight on the We're reservation. Indian reservation because it was the only place that was legal for us to fight in the state of California in the late 90s and early 2000s. Well, John McCain at the time was still calling it human cockfighting. This is long before like the, the UFC, you know, the, yeah. the rise of fame. This was like us fighting to fight. Yeah. Crazy times. Wow. Uh, I want to ask about, um, and Justin, I want you to chime in here as well. West teaches a lot about you have to have a larger vision for what you want your business to look like, what you want your life to be like. And it seems to me like, Justin, you were a really important part of having a vision for Tim's training. And then, Tim, you also had to have a shared vision for here's here's what I want to achieve. Um, and I'm reminded, as I was doing some research, Tim, that you mentioned in an essay you wrote um for one, some big, huge news outlet. And, and this is what you said. And I want you and, Justin, you and Justin to both talk about having a vision uh, for your life and, and how that impacts your decisions on a day-to-day basis. And Tim, you wrote this. We made books of what we wanted to be when we grew up. And I drew a picture of me <laughs> jumping out of an airplane wearing a black belt. I said I wanted to be a military karate guy. 
And I still have that book today. So you kind of became a military karate guy, Tim. So tell me about how important it is, even if it seems silly at the time, of having a vision for what is in some ways ridiculous at the time that you create the vision. Yeah. Um, one of my good friends, he founded Daily Defense and uh, USCCA, US Concealed Carry Association. He makes every single one of his partners, his associates, his colleagues, the people that he works with, um, he won't even call them employees. He makes them write out their one, three, five, and 10-year goals. And then they have to go and stick it on a board in the hallway to the entrance of the building. He doesn't want his employees to be status quo. He doesn't want he he doesn't want his 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 colleagues to be showing up to earn a paycheck to go home. He wants them to have aspirations, um, and I, I think this was the embodiment of that. Where you know I was four years old when I drew that picture. I was in kindergarten class at North County Christian School. This is the same year that I get kicked out of school for somebody making fun of Laura LaCarrie because she had a boy haircut and he called her a boy. And I followed that kid up to the top of the playscape and I cracked him in the mouth and I pushed him off, which broke his arm. This is this is the beautiful thing about humans that set themselves up with not ideas of grandeur, but not not, not even aspirations, but a purpose. Mm-hmm. Like there's a purpose of why God put me on this planet. And I didn't know it at four, and I couldn't put my finger on it now. You know, but if, if we took a step back and we wrote out the mission statement and visions of each of my companies, and you went back to who I was as a, as a four-year-old, you'd be like, what the heck? How is this possible that at four, he was already embodying these ideas yeah. about yeah. being a protector, about being a provider, about being somebody that's going to preserve human life, you know, and and jumping out of airplanes in, in you know, camo gear. It wasn't just the guy in a black belt. I'd actually driven like drawn with, yeah. with brown and green, me and Cam, as I'm jumping out of an airplane wearing a black belt as a karate military guy. Um, yeah. like, purpose is something that we can't live without. And I, we've we've been a generation without purpose for a really long time. And look what's happened to us. Um, yeah. Go back to the 70s, 80s, 90s, even like back to the Great Depression and post-World War II with the Great Like those men had purpose, yeah. um, just like our founding fathers did to create the most powerful country on the planet you know just how we grew up with purpose and we yeah. have to have purpose and code for us to have a, a purpose to be here yeah justin, about, uh, go ahead west and i'll go back to justin yeah no, and and, and J- i went love justin to talk about this too is the reason sometimes we trade what we want ultimately for what we can have immediately is many times we've never even defined what we want ultimately and so if you haven't taken the time to go what do i really want and, and why does that matter to me what you'll do is the noise of the day is going to take you in every direction and you'll be like everybody else and you'll follow the common path and you won't do the kind of things that God has put you on the earth to do and ultimately achieve. So I, I think that fits right in with with uh, just a, a great theme of, hey, don't inherit your your future. Decide yeah. what it's going to be. For sure. Justin, what what does that look like for you? Because you were the one that was, went from, you know, I'll give this guy a free taco to you're telling him here's what we're doing next and here's why we're doing it I and mean, it's quite the switch you know you were a you were in a position of power at that situation like so from there from your relationship with tim but also other parts of life like how how do you have a vision how do you maintain a vision where do you get your vision uh for for something way bigger than you know i give out tacos so i mean for me from a sense of 
personal vision, a big part of like my heart and purpose and passion is, is really helping other people achieve theirs. So when Tim, he and I became really close while in the military, we, we obviously met each other before, got closer. And then it came to the time where we were at the end of our active duty initial enlistment. And he came to me, he knew I was getting big in the strength conditioning. He's like, Hey, um, I essentially, in an essence, broke it down to me. Of, I have a vision to be like the top fighter in mixed martial arts. And I'd like you to help me on the strength conditioning side to get there. And right. just knowing him, his drive and everything else, like it was one of those things, like I knew that's what he's going to do. And so I, I then went to find a way, like my vision for me to help him. And that was, was how I'm going to go find the best way whether it's popular or not, or whether it's comfortable or not, to help him get there. And then I'm going to go through it with him. And that's that's literally when he's talking about us training, like I had to work out a deal and create some relationships at the Gold's Gym so that we could go in after hours, outside hours, because I'd like bring in a tire and we'd be dragging a tire and throwing a tire around or like other tools and things like that that, that they didn't want us using or, or even like messing with while other people were in there uh, and making noises that don't sound human, right? Like as we're doing it. And then went through it with him. So I knew, like, I wanted to know how it was feeling, like which muscles were being perfect, which things were, were being affected and impacted, why. So that the next round of, of training that we were doing, I knew it was going to be the most effective. And that's been yeah. something that with him in particular, that that's continued to be the goal. He comes up to me, I want to launch a, a school. I want to do this. Like my next vision, like the next thing I'm doing is this. And then now it's this. Same thing on the financial planning side of clients, like getting to the like real planning for us is getting to the heart of what their vision, purpose, and things are. Because you can have goals. We were talking about this, Carl Richards. You can have goals which are which are great, but they have to be aligned with like where you want to go, and then you can build out a roadmap to do it. And that's what we do on the planning side now every day with clients. Tim, I have a a question. It's follow up to that, Um, and I'll probably throw it to you, Wes. Something else you said in that same essay. Uh, Tim, you kind of wrapped up the essay with this, which is that um, I sometimes feel, these are Tim, Tim's word, I sometimes feel that we've forgotten how important it is to do something more important than you, meaning living for other people. And what strikes me as ironic and wrong is when people go, oh, Tim thinks he's so much better. It's really more about you wanted to serve people, like you wanted to, like, you know, like, I don't know a lot of selfish soldiers. Maybe you do, but like, there's more safe ways to be selfish than to be a soldier. You know, that's a pretty selfless act, right? Um, but I want to ask you, Tim, what part of your success and drive is that, and we talked about this in the intro, is your identity not as fighter, business owner, but what part of your drive is husband, father, believer? Yeah, I, that, that's a hard question and a really good one. I think it's one that goes to the core of who Justin and I are. It's just being part of something that is more important than ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, um, being a believer, being a husband, being a father. Um, you know, we, we talked in the initial call with with Wes and the team. You know, like on the philanthropic side, the school. I do not make money at our school. You know, like we, we're about to launch 300 affiliates that are going to be generating millions of dollars. And every single one of those dollars is going to go back in as we continue to, to disrupt education and reimagine what education looks like. You know, sheepdog response. 
we run this company, even you know, it's a multi-million dollar company now, at neutrally profit so that we can continue to grow, to grow, to spread a mission about preserving and protecting human life because that is something that I believe in and that's something that is more important than me. My time in the military, every time that I step away to go overseas in the uniform, I lose money, not as the CEO or president of my companies. I do that because it's important to, to, to do something for an idea that is more important than me. And you're like, I go to church on Sunday mornings. Like, is, is there better time, better things for me to do with two hours of my day um, to, to generate more revenue? Sure. Is there something more important? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. You know, I am home. Somebody asked me to be on a, a very, very gigantic podcast here in Austin this week, tomorrow night. They're like, hey, my dude dropped out. We'd love to have you on. I mean, it's the, one of the biggest podcasts on the planet. I'm like, I can't do it, man. When I'm, ho- when I'm home in Austin, um, I have dinner with my family every single night. And unless you can do it in the middle of the day, uh, you're going to you know, get somebody else. People would fight and murder literally to be on this podcast. But no, I'm going to be home with my family because that is more important than me. And it's more important than my career. And it's more important than anything else on the planet. So it is at the core of who I am as a person. It's at the core of my success as well. When everything is 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 looking in about how I can be better, like the the, the worst way that you can build a brand is trying to do the thing that you think you need to do. Um, and you lose the authenticity and originality about the purpose of why you are there. So and what's the best way to build a brand? What's the flip of that? Is, make it about them or what's the... To make it about the mission, to oh, make it okay. about this purpose, to make it about this idea that's more important than you. Um, and like those are the people that I'm attracted to. You like, you know, is, is Joe Rogan doing the podcast for Joe Rogan or is Joe Rogan doing a podcast to talk about these ideas that are important to him? Yeah. He does it about the for the ideas, you know, like Jocko Willink. Is Jocko Willink on there was extreme ownership, writing this beautiful book about how to be a leader and how to, to how to take ownership of all the failures in your own life as your own problems. Um, was that for Jocko? No, no. It was, it was an idea that he believed in and he saw on the special or on the SEAL teams that he wants everybody else to have. And he literally just gives it away now. And yeah. maybe look yeah. So, so let's stick with that theme, Wes. Um, how important is it and, and what element does the ideas that Tim embodies and talked about there, which is that we forget how important it is to do something more important than just serving yourself? I mean, those are Tim's words. What does that play out when it comes to financial advisors who really could just make decisions, frankly, all day long to benefit themselves? It really could. The one thing we say all the time, that is so critical is, is meaningful financial planning is about the alignment of the use of capital, capital being time, energy, talent, money, relationships with what you really care about. And people don't often do a good job defining what they care about. And the advisors come in and here and here's our like one of our core missions is don't come in with a 500 page plan that just does all the traditional things that checks all the boxes, but never gets in contact with what what the client actually what's meaningful to them, what gives them life. Right. And light, and and those are going to be things that transcend them. And so, having those kind of conversations at a deeper level are critical to then aligning the things that they have going on in their life to 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 what really is going to make the biggest difference to what they actually care about and the difference they're trying to make. So, no, I, I love it, and I think that the more you focus on uh, increasing profitability and quality of life for those that you're serving, that. The great thing is you get wet in the process, right? It's it's, it's like it, it it just comes back. It's a ripple effect, and everybody, the whole ocean rises as a result. It reminds me of Justin wanting to serve Tim by giving him this workout plan, but he he got wet in the process literally because he's like, "Well, I'm going to do it too," yeah. right? Um, 
you know, Tim sees problems in the world. I'm talking about it like you're not here. Tim, you see problems in the world and you are part of fixing them. And you're not like, hey, you guys should go fix that. You're like, no, we are going to fix it. Uh, and Tim, I don't know if you've heard of this before. It's it's fascinating. And, and Wes is going to love this because one of his favorite people is Andy Stanley. Um, but Andy Stanley's got this book called When Work and Family Collide. Have you heard, have you read it before? It's really short. You have? Yeah. Okay. So just, I'm telling everybody what Tim well, is. We're in like the same circle. So yeah, I, I, I enforce okay. the same people like, Hey, you should read this book. He also time. goes to church because he knows I'm going to be there. He gets <laughs> yeah. to see me. So that's. Lucky you. Lucky you. Um, so, so I just want to stop real quick for the benefit of our listeners. What Tim just did in that decision. And he does again and again. And I'm sure Justin and Wes do it as well. Is the premise of when work and family collide is that so many, and I'll speak just to, to the men here. So many men believe that, Hey, God wants to provide for my family, but I have to work. So I'm going to go work and I'm going to ask God to babysit my family. So and when, when, when push comes to shove, I'm going to go work and ask God to sort of just take care of my family. But what work and family collide says, and it used to be called choosing to cheat. That was a sexier title that they changed and made it more boring. But now it's, it, it was. It was basically, you got to cheat on one or the other. So the premise is this, and this is what Tim says, is Tim says, I'm going to live out the book and I'm going to say, all right, God, I know you want to provide for my work and you want me to be with my family. So I'm going to draw a very clear line and I'm going to say, I'm going to be with my family here. And then God, you have to provide for me and my work in this amount of time. So you draw, you delineate a line. And Andy Stanley would do this where when he was launching his church, he would leave before anyone else in the day, and you go home and be with his family because he asked his wife, when do you need me home? And she said, earlier than you're coming home. <laughs> so come home earlier. Then he would go back to work, right? And then it was like, then it was like, hey, God, you need to take care of me in the meantime because you said you would. And what do you know? He does. So I applaud you, Tim, for making that decision. Yeah, I, I really do love that book. Uh, there's a third element. So it's it's for me, it's work, family, and then me. Because um, I want to be like, where's the time for me to develop intellectually? When is the time for me to develop physically? When is the time for me to, 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 to see, you know, this body that I was given to push this body to the the limits of, and this, this mind to the limits of what I can be like Mm -hmm. that. That's a a box of time for me, the work box and the family box. These are not mutually exclusive things. Sometimes they're complementary, but, but there's not enough time to do all three. So like, of course, I want to spend as much time with my family as I, as I can generate, but I can't do that without money. And I can't have money yeah. without working, but I can't work well unless I'm optimizing as a human. So like, how do I delegate time to each of these things? Um, and it is like, and maybe Andy Stanley could not have said it better. Is like, I have to have trust. And sometimes that trust isn't just with my family. Sometimes that trust is with my partners and colleagues. Um, you know, like somebody like Justin that can step in. I did not have the time to do the the planning for me physically. Or when he came on here and was the COO of this entire organization, and I did not have the time to do the logistics and operations of running seven companies at the time. But Justin came in here and ran them a thousand times better than I could have ever have. It's like, but that took trust. Um, and just like it takes faith for me to believe that. You know, God is going to come in and, and do the right thing on behalf of me and my family, in behalf of me as, right. as a man. And it's uh, even it's, when you have to say no, even when you have to say no to opportunities because of that. Yeah, right? yeah. And and one of the one again, one of the takeaways from the book, uh, again, get the book if you haven't got uh, scars and stripes. But is 
surround yourself with good people striving and also improve himself. And, and that's really one of the elements you brought up there because it can't, you can't do it alone. This life's a team sport. And unless you're surrounding yourself with those people who are also on the same path as you, I mean, advisors that are listening, the fact that you listen to this, you're, the people that listen to this are a different kind of advisor. They really are because they're, they're, they want to become something different than what the common ordinary approach is. And, and there, are, there are classes and things that we teach to, who are you training with? Like who, who, who is a part of your life that's helping you become better? And, and are they on the same trajectory you are? So I, I love that. And, and any, I, I think a um, couple of things I want to do. I know, I know we're running short on time for this. Uh, I told Tim it would be five hours and he, uh, he took, he, he, he's he used off. to that. He's been and on Rogan. Rogan. There's no rules on Rogan. Rogan. Clearly Rogan. No, but, Just go. Yeah. yeah. And go. Uh, yeah. so, but I just promised him it would be, you know, between 30 and, and 40 minutes. And so with that though, um, I, I think, Timmy, you just talk a little bit about today, some of the things you're working on that gets you real excited that you want the world to know about. Yeah. Uh, one, one is disrupting public education in the current form that it's in. Um, I, I just don't believe that it's possible for you to raise a generation of, of children that hate their country and question um, who they are as people that are then going to ultimately be successful contributing members of society. Um, so like something has to change. It's a broken system. The department of education has been broken for a long time. We've never 800% increase in homeschoolers in two years. Like that's wild, wild. Can you imagine an 800% increase in anything in our financial world? Yeah. Give that to me all day long. Yeah. Um, so like parents are waking up and realizing that, um, the goals of public education are not aligned with, with what is best for their children. So, um, I've stepped in with my partner, Matt Boudreau, to create this organization called Apogee Strong. We have um, one physical school, and by the end of this year, we'll have 300 physical schools, and we have an online mentorship program, apogeestrong.com. So we are trying to disrupt and reimagine education, which is a big one, and then is trying to create the strongest America we possibly can. So I do that through Sheepdog Response, um, through organizations like the Independence Fund, the Veterans Justice Initiative. And one that I work for a lot, Save Our Allies, where we go overseas and try to rescue Americans. Um, almost had to go get a bunch of missionaries that were stuck in Niger during the, yeah. the uh, coup. Um, yeah, if you're a missionary, please make sure you make good decisions about where you're going. Otherwise, it takes people like Justin that have to go there to get you out. So don't waste our time. <laughs> so like, hey, can I ask you real quick? Uh, yeah. Spell the, the the school website. Like, where, where, Tell me about that one real quick. A-P-O-G-E-E. Strong, S T R O N G dot com. Okay. All right. Apogee Strong. And we'll link in our show notes. So, whatever app you're using, they'll be there. But I just know that people want to know that one. The other sheepdogresponse.com. Um, so, I, I have to ask, and, I, and we're going to run a little over on time, but no one cares because everyone loves what you're talking about, Tim. So, sorry. You're, you're being too useful. It's your fault if we run long. Okay. So, yeah. here's the thing How do you go from one to 300? Just real quick. Like, yeah, uh, I don't know, you kind of spoke like that's normal and that's not yeah. normal. That's like not somewhere normal. didn't go one, 300. So what, how, how are you going from one to 300? Well, you we actually went one, two, two to 300. Oh, okay. Um, that makes way more sense. Never mind. Next question. No, explain. So tr- truthfully, it was, um, let's build a concept and then take yeah. this concept and get a proof of concept. Year one, this concept failed. I literally had to fire everybody that had anything to do with it. Justin and I had to go like line by line, name by name, and just wow. hack, 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 hack. Year two, reinvent 
uh, relaunch and then see success. Still not 100%, but like, okay, we kind of got it. Take that same model and then apply it to an online mentorship program where it's scalable and vertical. So I go from you know 100 students in one building to now 1,000 students online that were yeah. using curriculum that was generated off of a building, like off of a brick and mortar. So yeah. now I know I can vertically scale. And then I say, all right, if you want to open a school, I have the model. I have the resources and I have everything that you need to do this. And I'm partnering with a guy that has had the largest private Socratic schools in the United States and launched not just one, but two, the number one and number two largest Socratic schools ever to be in the United States. Um, So that's me and Matt. That was the past two years. Now here we are year three where it's like, all right, now we can scale. So it's, that's how you do it. My favorite part of that is uh, launch, fail, and then learn and then relaunch. Like, that's just great. I mean, it's like, so if you're in the middle of a fail, then you're in step one. And the only way you're not going to get to step two is if you stop. So don't stop. Learn. Yep. Change. Get, sometimes you got to get rid of people. Hit it. Right? Yeah. Wes, I'm you the, Wes, I'm going to give you the, the wheel for the rest of this. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I think, uh, well, one, just again, thanks uh, Kim, for being a part of what we're doing. Uh, and, and Justin, for again, you being a part of this is a unique one. So, is a lot of fun for me to to be able to to be here today and uh yeah i just i i think oh justin was right here i know we'll, we'll pretend you're here we'll put a picture photoshop photoshop um but uh, you, will, you will be in town in a couple of weeks right so then we can we can see you then but uh i would say this is is just advisors one one is um man just live a live a purpose-driven life don't live another day by default by inheritance go design your future forward and, and when you think about that design, think about some of these key takeaways that we, we've had with, with Tim here, surrounding yourself with good people that are also striving for excellence because you become who you hang, yourself, hang around with. And, and so don't choose the common path. Choose the elite path. Start in getting engaged in some of these uh, classes that we teach or Andy ha- is a part of that are, are, are creating a different kind of advisor than what the common path is going to produce. And, uh, and I'd say go, go, buy, go buy Tim's book. Um, Go, go go to sheepdogresponse.com. Um, I think that's a fascinating place to go. L- look at the schools. I mean, I think these are all incredible things or takeaways from today. Awesome. Hey, I want to end with something kind of unique uh, and none of you are prepared for it, but that's okay. Uh, Justin, can you unmute for me? Um, Justin, I want you to tell everyone something unique that they may not know, but you really appreciate about Tim. Hmm. Something unique about Tim that I really appreciate. Hmm. I don't think people understand or appreciate his heart, like his heart for others and things like that. Like he's the one person that if there was something wrong, I'd give him a call. He's also the same person that if I was having a problem, like talking about a girl issue or something like that back in the day, that he would tell me like, I don't know what to say, so I'm just going to make fun of you until until this gets better. (laughs) He's honest. (laughs) there's There's a... There's a deep heart and care there that I don't think people understand or appreciate. Love that. Appreciate it. Tim, I'm going to have you do the same for Wes and Justin, and then we're going to be done. So start with whichever one you want, because I know you know both of them. What yeah. do you appreciate about Justin and Wes that maybe we don't know? Um, it's you know it's not my, my story to tell, because um, it's Justin's story. And I'm, I don't even know how much you two know about his background. He He came from... Every time he's my litmus test, it's him and my friend Chantry. Every time, and, and my wife Ginger and and Justin's wife Lacey. Every time somebody's like, "Man, 
you know, like this, uh, you, you came from this privileged position and of course you're able to be successful. Um, I, I was really blessed to have amazing parents and to come from a world that was successful. Mm-hmm. Um, the foremost and the foremost important and powerful people in my life um, came from the opposite of that. Justin's one of those, you know, he, he, he truly was in the most compromised position as a young man with no resources, with no support, with every single thing working against him. Um, the opposite of privilege and to, to see where he is academically, to see where he is intellectually, to see where he is spiritually, to see where he is as a father. There was no roadmap of like, I had a beautiful roadmap from my father about what it looks like to be a faithful husband, how to be a good father, you know, how to be a contributing member of society. Like I had a beautiful roadmap. Justin had to do that by himself, um, you know, cutting his teeth in, in a world that would eat him alive. Yeah. Uh, and so he has been my litmus test for everything. Um, I joked with him. What was that last week, Justin, where there's, I texted you and I said, you often are my, um, what, not what would Jesus do? It is what would Justin do? Yeah. I, I serious. I texted him that last week or two weeks ago. And he's like, uh, and again, like out of humility. Yeah. I think you got that backwards there, Tim. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 But yeah. I meant Justin will let us, there is a great podcast of Justin telling his story that we can link to um, as well, because I think that that'd be pretty cool. But I'll, absolutely. I'll, yeah. Well, Justin, you're in charge of show notes, so don't leave it out to be humble. Yeah. All right. <laughs> if you're part of your job is to make sure you put the right <laughs> notes in. And people are going to be pissed off at you if you don't put it in there because we want to hear more about your story. Last thing, Tim. Uh, I got to do West still. I know. Last thing, Tim. Uh, what, what do you appreciate about West? And then, then I'm going to I'm going to say goodbye. Yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm a, a guppy. I'm a small fish in the world in uh, in that you guys work with, um, and uh, there was a lot of grace, grace and fi- I, those might even be mutually exclusive things within your guys' financial world, where a financial advisor coming in to look at how a hairy handed knuckle dragger is running a variety of businesses, and <laughs> with grace be like, hey, maybe we do this or we do that or. Yeah. Let, let me do something that I think, um, like, I don't trust him yet. I haven't known him long enough. And I've been embezzled by, I don't know how many partners. What do you think, Justin? Like too many to count now, hey. you know? So like it is early where, but the first indication where it's like, okay, I think I can keep continue down this road was the grace in which he treated my wife and I, hey. as he helped correct decisions that we were making financially. Mm-hmm. Um, that is uh, that is not, I think a common characteristic within your guys's world. And it was a refreshing one. Um, I still don't trust him. I still might murder him, but we'll, uh, we're on the right road. Well, we ha- well, I'm glad you haven't done that yet. And yeah, I think that that's lots of life insurance. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wes's wife is like, whatever. We're good. We're, we're good. Uh, well, Tim, thank you so much. Uh, Justin, thank you for helping uh, make this happen as well. Uh, Wes is always, thank you for, uh, you know, setting a vision for the show, uh, and for working to, to get Tim there and, uh, here and, uh, for those listening, um, I'm going to make uh, a few specific things and encouragements. Uh, number one, um, spend some of your money investing in yourself so that you can then help other people uh, by consuming some of Tim's content, uh, whether it's the audio book, the physical book, whatever it might be. Uh, get something that's going to challenge you. And I think that those are Tim's published words in whatever format, but go get it. Don't hesitate. Do it now. Um, 
And then the other thing is that I uh, I want to encourage you just to continue to follow along uh, with the podcast uh, and take what uh, Tim and Justin and Wes have shared today to heart and go find um, some people that make you uncomfortable because they care about you. Uh, those are those are good, good people. And you can never have too many of those. And most of us don't have enough. So with that, Justin, Wes, Tim, thank you for your time today. Folks, thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode.